Today's scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 to chapter 11, verse 1. So, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. There is more to being man than just getting older. When you're a young man, when you're transitioning from those twin years to being a teen on into your twenties, it's almost an obsession to become a man. You're constantly trying to check to see where your height is compared to other people. Always wanting to get taller than your peers, taller than your family members. Whether or not you can start to get a little bit of fuzz appearing on that upper lip or on your legs or under your arms. You're just obsessed with starting to get hairy. But it's important that we realize that there is more to being a man than just how tall or hairy you become. Because to be a man is to be made in the image and likeness of God. And we all mess that up. Every single one of us, no matter how tall or hairy we are, there are ways we fall short of being in God's image and likeness. But Jesus didn't. So if we're going to be real men, we need to be like Jesus. But there is a challenge inherent in that. Because just as masculinity is more than just growing a mustache, Christianity is more than just believing some things about Jesus. It's doing whatever you do for God's glory. Because that's how Jesus lived his life. It's not just doing what's best for you, what you want to do, but doing what's best for others. And specifically, doing what's best to help other people, to help those around you be saved. That's very different than what we normally see from the world when it comes to ideas about being a man. So to make that kind of change to be like Jesus, we need examples. And that was very much the approach that Jesus' apostle Paul took to the ministry that he did. He certainly told them about Jesus. He told them stories and teachings about Jesus' life, things that Jesus had taught. But then he also showed them. He gave them a living example of what it looks like for someone like us to try to follow Jesus. And we need those living examples. Because the world is full of living examples, but most of them are bad. If you watch enough TV shows, you get the idea that it's funny, it's clever to talk back to your parents and to reject authority. If you watch enough movies, you get the idea that what makes you a real man is sleeping with as many people as possible. If you listen to enough music, you get the idea that to be a man is when somebody disrespects you, you just shoot them. Just be as violent as possible, and that's what makes you a man. If we leave our boys in particular with no alternative but to imitate politicians or celebrities or even just their own peers, we are going to produce a world that is full of liars and bullies 
and manipulators and greedy people. Because what the world calls a man is not real. Not according to God. Because the world's image of a man is really self-centered, really demanding, have outbursts if you don't get your way. But that's not a man. That's a child, isn't it? Isn't that what we expect from a child? You think the whole world revolves around you? You issue demands? You throw a temper tantrum if you don't get things the way you want them to be? What we see so often in the world, what so many today are rejecting is toxic, isn't being a real man. It's being a boy who can shave. And just because you go through puberty, just because you have muscles, just because you're able to procreate, that doesn't make you a man. Because becoming a man is about more change than just physical. There are things to be a real man that you're not just going to grow into over time. You have to learn them. And what we have to learn is very different. Just look a couple pages over at the Apostle Paul's next letter, 2 Corinthians. In chapter 2, in verse 14, listen to what he writes here and picture this in your mind's eye. Paul says, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. See, being a Christian is not just peddling God's word. It's not just knowing a few verses here or there, but acting like everybody else. Being a Christian is like having Christ as the victorious king, the emperor whose army just conquered, and we are following behind him, as his prisoners of war. Do you get that image? That triumphal procession? Jesus is the conquering king. And we have been captured by him. We were on the other side. And he overcame us. He defeated us. And now we belong to him. We are Jesus' prisoners of war, but we're really happy ones. When people see how joyful we are that he's captured us, they look and they say, who is this king? They look and they wonder, what is going on? Maybe they even start to think, oh, I wish he'd capture me. Because if we are Christians, if we are following Jesus in that triumphal procession, if we have been captured by Jesus, that means there are going to be feelings that we don't act on. 
It means there are going to be things that we give up, that we go without. It means there's going to be suffering that we have to endure. But because of who is leading us, because of where he is leading us, we actually have joy about that. We take joy in those sacrifices because we know that following him, even as his prisoner, is actually better. Because where he's leading us is where God always created us for. Where he's leading us is to fulfill the purpose that God meant for us that we cause all the world to glorify glorify him, but appreciate that to some, what I'm saying now, what I've been saying these past few weeks is offensive. Maybe some of you are even struggling with it. A prisoner? I'm not a prisoner. Denying our feelings? Having something greater than what we want? Yeah. If Jesus is king. Whenever I stand up here and and I say that men and women are different, that we aren't interchangeable, that God created us particular ways for particular purposes, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And there are some folks that will hate hearing that. Paul knew that back then too. For some, it's a fragrance from death to death. Listen, folks, there are some people that will not accept the good news of Jesus. And we need to get used to that. There's not some magic formula that if I just start talking about Jesus less and start talking about something else, all of a sudden these folks out there are going to start to listen. There are going to be some people that what God says will always stink. And we've got to get used to it. We're not always going to be popular. We're not always going to have the majority opinion. There are going to be struggles that we have because it's not about winning logical debates. It's not about who has the best bullet points. And Paul even says there, none of us are sufficient for it. None of us are good enough for any of this that he's talking about. It's really all about receiving God's grace. Because the reality is when we do deny ourselves, when we do let Jesus capture us, when we accept the things that he teaches us, even though they're hard, even though they're countercultural, when we live God's way, it's better. And some people will be won by it. Some will see life in it. Some will be saved if we're men about it. And that means we can't placate or compromise. Like Paul, we have to be men of sincerity. We don't follow Jesus because it's convenient. We don't follow Jesus because it's always personally profitable. We follow him even when it's not. When it's not popular, when it's not accepted, when it costs us. When it costs us job opportunities, when it costs us income, when it costs us friendships, we follow Jesus anyway, and that's okay, because at the end of the day, we know we've been commissioned by God. It's His sight that matters most. That's not an easy thing. That's why God gives us lots of examples. 
for what it looks like. Let's look at the beginning of another of the Apostle Paul's letters. This is 1 Thessalonians. In chapter 1, beginning with the first verse, we read, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he's chosen you. Because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. You know, even just in a few verses here, you can learn a lot about how the Apostle Paul taught people to follow Jesus. And one of the first things that you see him do is he prayed. He prayed hard for the people that he was leading to follow Jesus. He prayed for them constantly. And when we see what kind of man the Apostle Paul was with those he led, then we might need to reflect. Husbands, fathers, grandfathers, <coughs> older brothers, somebody's friends, church leaders, elders, and deacons. Do we pray for the people that God has put us in a position to influence? And not just pray because they're sick. And not just pray because they're asking for money. And not just pray over the budget. Do we pray for them to grow more like Jesus? Do we pray for them to experience how great his love is? Do we pray for them to know how great his hope is? That's the example Paul sets for us. He also spoke God's word. And we have to ask, do we? If your spouse, if your children, if your co-workers only knew from God's word what you have taught them, how much would they know? If the only Bible reading they heard was what you led. If the only things about God's character and nature is what you imparted to them, how much would they know? God created you as a man in his image to be fruitful, to fill the world with his glory in his sight, because his is the only sight that matters. Are you? Do you? 
It's a big responsibility. It's a lot to live up to. And there's so much stuff that's working against us. That's why Paul's example is so important too. Because he also makes clear here that it wasn't just about the words that he said. There's also power and the Holy Spirit in full conviction. Because the reality is, as we try to fulfill our calling as men, we are not on our own. The world tells you that that's what it takes to be a man. If you're going to be a man, you just got to do it yourself. But that's a recipe to fail. You will fail if you try to do what God has called you to on your own because that's not what he meant for it to be. We were created to be partners with him, to work with him in our very DNA. We need God's help. So appreciate that as we try to do what God's called us to, he is standing there offering us power. We can have power from God to accomplish what he wants to He gives the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and comfort us and give us direction. He makes real change possible. Paul has shown that to the Thessalonians. Their lives had changed as they saw what kind of men Paul and Silas and Timothy were. And they looked at them and they saw those were men of deep conviction. And that's who we need to be. Real men aren't wishy-washy. If you're going to be a real man, you can't be here today because your wife expects you to be. You can't be here today because your parents made you. If you are going to be the man that God created you to be, you have got to be all in. You can't do it halfway. You can't do it when it's convenient. You have got to make a choice that you believe God is best and that is why you're here. You believe God is best, and that is why you are doing what you're doing. You want to work with Him. You want to be who He created you to be. Real men have conviction that if we pray, that if we speak God's word, that if we live out that example of Jesus, things will change. We are not stuck with what is now. We can change the trajectory of our families. We can change the trajectory of our workplaces. We can change our communities. We can change this church if we work with God. If we allow God's power to make us into better men. If we see how much better we are when we work with him and want that for everyone. We're so overwhelmed seeing the change he's produced in our life that we can't help but share that because we know it would be good for them too. But that's going to mean that we do hard things. You know, Paul's life was actually a whole lot simpler before he started following Jesus. It was a lot more comfortable. He had a lot more prestige. He had a better reputation among important people. But the reason that we're talking about him today, 2,000 years later, the reason that there is a crown of life awaiting him is because he didn't settle for doing what was easy. He made the hard choice to follow Jesus. Now that might take 
sacrifice. That might involve pain for us, for those that we care about. There will be times where it's not popular. The community may not want us to do what God has put us here to do to make it more on earth as it is in heaven. That's a big commitment. That's kind of scary. But does it give God glory? Then do it. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks. Do hard things if it's what God's called you to. Now that was clear with the Thessalonians. It was clear with the Corinthians. It was clear with everyone because they'd seen it on Paul and his team. When this is written down, when Paul did that, it wasn't so all those folks would be like, oh, wow, that Paul sure is a great guy. He was setting them an example to imitate. As he followed Jesus, he wanted them to learn from his conviction, from how he did hard things, so that they could start to do those things too. He wanted them to have an example. He deliberately did things the hard way so that other people could learn. Because that's what real men do. Real men set an example. They don't operate by do as I say, not as I do. They're not above doing the scut work because they're too important to get their hands dirty. We were made in the image and likeness of God. If we are followers of Jesus, that means we've been taken captive by him as king. So our job is to show others what that looks like. We should live the sort of lives that if somebody else imitated us, it would be good. It would be good for them. It would be good for those around them. It would be good for the church. Is that true? If everybody else was as convicted as you are right now, if everybody else worked as hard, gave as much as you do right now, would the church be better or worse? There's challenge. It's hard. But God will help us with it. God can change things if we look to those examples and seek to follow. If we will man up and teach our sons by how we pray for them, by how we teach God's word to them, and also by the example we set for them. This is what it means to be a man. James Bond might do this. Jay-Z might do that. But you watch me. I'm going to show you how to be a man. If we show our daughters what kind of man they should be looking for, here's how a real man will speak to you. Here's how a real man will treat you. Here's how a real man loves Jesus. And nothing is more important than you finding a man who loves Jesus. Jesus. Real men operate that way in the church. We're looking for that younger brother that we can pray with, that we can impart knowledge to. We're looking for those people that we can draw on and involve, that we can get off the bench so that they're not just participants, but so that they grow into leaders. 
That is what Paul did. It's what he prayed for the Thessalonians. It's what he taught them. And as he showed them what kind of man to be, they followed him. They followed him, and then they became an example to the people around there in Macedonia, to the people in the next region over in Achaia, to people everywhere. As they followed that example, they became a parade behind King Jesus, spreading life-giving perfume everywhere they went. And we need that too. We need that now more than ever because this world stinks. This world stinks of death. And that is not how our good God created it. That is not what our good God wants for. So if we're going to do something about it, we need real men, not boys who shave. We need men who have been captured by King Jesus. We need men who are sincere, who don't just do things for themselves. We need men who don't try to do everything on their own, but rely on the power of God and His Holy Spirit. We need men that are full of conviction that aren't doing the minimum, that aren't wishy-washy, but are full all in. We need men that aren't afraid to do hard things. Even when they're not popular. Even when it's not easy. We need men that set examples. Guys, we can be those men. Everything we need to be those men. God in his grace is provided. Not one of us is sufficient on our own. But we can receive God's goodness. We can be changed into the people he created us to be. We can be who he works through to change lives. To change the lives of your family members, to change the lives of your co-workers, of your neighbors, of your friends. We can be men through whom God changes the world. What kind of men do you want to be? Will you pray with me? Holy Father, thank you for King Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for his triumph and resurrection. Help us follow him. Help us to be completely captured by him and to share the joy of that. And help us, Father, to be stirred by your word. Help us, Father, to be stirred by the examples you've entrusted to us to become the men we need to be. Father, help all of us that you have blessed to be men, to be convicted by your son's love, by his example to be convicted by the examples of people like Paul and others that follow, and to get off the bench and to do what you put us here to do. And Father, for our sisters, our sisters that are raising men, that are supporting men, that are encouraging men, for our sisters that have felt the burden of being around boys who aren't men, Uh, We just pray, Father, for strength and help for them, too, that we might all work together as you intend, and that the aroma of your Son can spread everywhere. Father, when there are those that won't hear what you have to say, 
Help us to stay convicted and strong and to endure. But Father, everywhere there is somebody that's looking for life, everywhere there is somebody that can tell this world is messed up and that things are not the way they need to be, help us to share that they can come to be a part of that joy and hope too. Lead us forth from here, Father, as part of that triumphal procession behind your Son, that we might have joy when he comes again. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.